The scripture that we have for this morning is Joel chapter 2. We are in a series of speaking about the Holy Spirit, its person, its work, its character, and how the Spirit of God moves within, around us, and changes our lives in such a way that we can have a successful life here on earth. As you notice, uh, the, the scripture verse is the whole chapter. The whole chapter is very long, and I only have a certain amount to preach, and I'm under special kind of pressure because I want to get home. We got time. But in essence, it is a very long chapter. But the chapter, listen to this, is representative of our relationship with God. The chapter has a rhythm, has some movements that are characteristics of our relationship with God. The chapter also presents the theme. How many of you have heard the the phrase, the day of the Lord? No, you never heard the phrase, the day of the Lord? Of course you've heard the phrase, the day of the Lord. And, and, and some people thought that, that when 9-11 hit, that was the day of the Lord. You know, and, uh, because there is a sense of urgency. You see, the concept of the day of the Lord appears for the first time in this chapter and is described in two senses, but yet one day. The day begins with darkness. Bleakness with judgment, but it ends with redemption, renewal, and opportunities for life. Let's see how this goes. See, the day of the Lord as judgment, the day of the Lord as a redemptive element. Both are the day of the Lord. Both are one day in which he begins by proclaiming the judgment and he ends by saving and restoring his people. In in the whole chapter, the first 11 verses, for example, the text begins with a sound of urgent alarm. Something pending is going to happen. Beware, beware that something bad is going to happen. It introduces the day of the Lord as judgment over the land. There is darkness. You read of awful sounds. You read, actually, Joel is taking the, the whole idea of an invasion of the plague of locusts which many of us may have never seen unless you come from the prairie states and there can be a locust plague. That's what he's talking about. The day of the Lord is going to be of such magnitude, of such intensity that the skies will not shine. The sun will become dark. The moon will not shine. The stars will give no light. That's the kind of scene that is described. A bleak image of life. No dreams, no visions, perhaps not even hope. But as we move through the chapter in verses 12 through 17, the prophet then utters the solution. The prophet utters the, the signs of God and the words of God escaping out of the situation. And he uses a call in verse 13, if you have your Bible. He uses a term there in verse 13. It says, render your life. How many of you have heard that term, render? I had to look it up. Because it is an ancient terminology. Well, let me not say ancient, because I have somebody smiling here. It is an older terminology to talk about rendering something, giving something up. Render your rent. Pay your rent. Rendering your time is using your time. So rend your life and not your clothes, says the prophet. 
Why is he using the clothes? clothes? Because in those days, if you were sad and you were in repentance, you would tear your your clothes aside. And the prophet is saying, don't do that. That's just vain symbolism without any meaning. Don't tear your cloth out. Render your heart. Give up your heart to the Lord. That's what the prophet is saying. Turn around. Render your heart to the Lord. And in those verses, in that section of, 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 of the chapter, we find the call of God for repentance. The call of God to go before him. Render your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. And I know all of you have heard this phrase. Here's where it comes from. Slow to anger and abounding in love. This is where it comes from. A call to closeness, a close to repentance, a close to walk with life. In verses 18 through 27, we have God's responses to their repentance, to those who repent, to those who render, to those who come forward, to those who follow. There is absolute generosity, abundance of grace. Your needs are met. Your needs are supplied. What the locust destroyed, it will be returned seven times, the promises of the Lord say. It is a renewed life, a refreshed life, a rebuild of life. And only after this process has happened in our lives, only after we realize the bleakness in which we find ourselves, only after we respond to God's light and we go forward in God's light, only after we receive God's blessing, then we have the text that talks about visions and dreams. That's the context of this text. And then Joel 2, listen to and for the word of the Lord. And afterwards... Not before. Afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men and women will dream dreams. Your young men and women will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth the words of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Goodness sake. Just kidding. But it is only after all that has happened that we get the promise of dreams and visions. Only after that has happened that we get the promise that we will see visions, that we will have dreams. Now, dreams and visions are about God and God's things and not about us. That's the first thing I have to say. They're not about glitz. They're not about glamour. They're not about fame. They're not about popularity. I, God does not give me a vision for me to become famous and popular. That doesn't happen that way. Because the visions that God offers are visions about God and God's agenda. That in the way we will prosper, that is a promise. That in the way people will know us, that is a promise. But that's not the purpose for which we are called to exercise and live in God's visions. It is not about our desire to shine or our egos to be before others and God. It is not about to prove God that we can do something. The visions that we receive is not about satisfying our needs. They are not about money and notoriety. I gotta stop there because a lot of young people, when you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Actually, they're about 20-something already by the time I ask this question. They've kind of grown up. And the answer is, I want money. How superficial can we get? Isn't that what we find in the younger generation? They just want to get the glitz and the glamour, and that's it. How? If you have no other passion in life, that's not a goal. 
Money-making is not a goal. Getting rich is not a goal. At least not in the visions that God gives us. It may happen as a result, but that's not the goal. It is not about money or notoriety. It is not about what I think, my opinion, and my rights. None of that. God's visions are not about ourselves. They are about God and God's agenda. They are from God's spirit. They are revealed, led, guide, illuminated, inspired, nudged, and opened to our hearts by God's spirit. Look at what happened to Jesus. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, when Jesus came out of the temptations, he came out in Luke 4 tells us, he came out in the power of the spirit. And look at Jesus' agenda. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He's going to hang out with the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. He's going to hang out with prisoners. He has sent me to recover sight to the blind. Oh, he's going to be with all sorts of blind people. And to set the oppressed free. He's going to hang out with the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was the vision Jesus had for his life. It wasn't notoriety. It wasn't the glory that God the Father later gave him. As he obeyed and obeyed all the way to the cross. Dreams and visions in the apostolic age was not about fame or about notoriety. It was about faith working miracles that was happening. It was about the expansion of the grace to others. It was about spreading the message of the word. And Jesus even said it in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power. You will receive the vision. You will receive the dreams when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and in Cup County, even all the way down to Nunum, wherever that is. Perhaps our question this morning is not so much, uh, uh, do I have dreams and visions? But how can the Spirit of God give us dreams and visions, particularly here at Light of Hope? How can we be God's witnesses? And that is where I'm moving now. I got all these things here, and I need a helper. I have these sheets of papers, these sheets of papers, and we want to pass this out. Want to help me? I want to give, give one to everybody, and if they need a pen, here's some pens, they can share them. Thank you. Can you pass the rest? Will I keep on preaching? I think. And this is the idea. We are in a great opportunity right here, right now. This July the 5th, 1959. No, sorry, that's when I was born. 2015, that was my date of birth. All you need is my social security. <laughs> oh, she has it. Okay, but we're in an opportunity that we can dream. We can have visions for our community. So you have this little paper. And it says, I wish we could. I wish we could. Maybe have ministry for the elderlies. So that they don't have to go to homes, you know, so soon. Maybe we want to develop ministers. Maybe God will give us visions and dreams here at Light of Hope for, for a, a ministry for, for young people, for families. Maybe if we dream that we could have, wow, an elementary school, that's things that we have found out through the, our summer camp, how kids are in such need. I wonder if the Lord would even hear that. But dreams and visions are of God. 
Dreams and visions are individuals. Yeah, God sends dreams and visions to your life. so much. So dreams and visions are of God. They do happen in, in an individual basis. God will plant in you desires in your heart. When I was a child, I had the desire of not making money. I don't know why I didn't think of that. But I knew that I wanted to be a people helper. Somehow I have heard the concept of a people helper. And from a very young age, I wanted to be a people helper. But as I look at you, I realized that it wasn't going to be in the field of medicine. Because as I shaved myself for the first time at age 14, I nicked myself and I found myself in the floor of the bathroom. So can't handle blood. So I won't be able to help people that way. But I kept on searching. I want to be a people helper. My father said, that's for women. Women are the teachers and, and, and the social workers. Oh, well, I want to be a people helper. And my first career was in counseling, in social services. And as I kept dreaming, I want to be a people helper, Lord. Then the Lord has placed me in a position that I am a people helper. And I think I am in one of the most privileged positions to help people in this world today. As a servant of God, equipped with the word of God, anointed with his spirit, I am your servant. I am here to help you. So... Dream, dream dreams for our community and write down, I wish as a church we could perhaps start a ministry for young kids, perhaps start a tutoring program. Dream dreams, go ahead. I want to see you writing something. Write something down. Uh, we know we're going to be hanging around this property for a while, but dream big. You see, because if you're trying to protect your life, trying to hang on to what you have, you will lose it. Jesus said it in, in, in Matthew, if you try to hang to your life, you will lose it. But if you're willing to risk it, so dream, dream. What if we were to have a, a, a whole ministry for the homeless, a whole ministry for single parents, a ministry for, for people who are running away from abuse situations and would like to establish in a healthy environment at home? What if we were to open doors for teenagers who are wondering, what in the world am I doing here in this world? Have no purpose, no end in life, but to have fun and pleasure. What if? What if? And here we are. As individuals, as families, and as a church, with the doors wide open for us to dream and have visions. Proverbs reminds us this. That a people without a vision, they perish. That applies to individuals. That applies to families. That applies to households. That applies to organizations. That applies to the body of Christ. A people without a vision. I'll go through all this very quickly. And I'll stand right there. A people without a vision will perish. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this moment. 
We thank you that you are opening our hearts to the opportunities and the realities in our community. That even though this very small congregation is here, you have blessed us. You have blessed us over and over again so that we may be able to do the work of ministry. So that we may be able to take the risks that others are not taking because their faith goes only as far as our checkbook goes. That we can take the risk of doing things in such a way that we can impact this community and many will come to Christ no matter the cost. We thank you that you are inviting not only the, the, the ones that represent how we came together, that generation that built this community, but also the new ones. The ones that are black and white and Hispanic and mixed. All children of God coming together to the table. Here in the true kingdom of God, we welcome all. As Jesus did and as Jesus commands. And as we come to the table, we know that you have invited all. So we open a room and the table for all. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.